Reading from Matthew 6, verses 19 to 34. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek, all, seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day in its, is its own trouble. Thanks, Annie. Let's pray as we come to look at this passage together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Please give us wisdom and understanding as we read it. Please point us to the Lord Jesus. Please comfort our anxious hearts through him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, I think if you could invent a cure for anxiety, I think you would be an overnight millionaire maybe billionaire. You know, you'd help heaps of people. Did you know that in Australia, anxiety is the most common mental health condition? One in four Australians will experience a mental health, uh, an anxiety condition in their lifetime, and one in seven Australians has an anxiety condition right now. That's 3.7 million people around Australia. You know, this is, I'm talking about more than just the occasional feeling of anxiety that we all feel from time to time. That's our body's way of getting ready to respond to danger. I'm talking about when those feelings of anxiety don't go away. When they come for no particular reason, when they make day-to-day life hard. And these statistics that I just read to you, they're actually before we had a global pandemic. 
Uh, estimates are that anxiety conditions grew by more than 25% worldwide in 2020. And mental health helplines here in Australia have received record number of calls over the last two years, more than double their normal call numbers. And that's only those who are diagnosed. How many more do you know who are anxious about their day-to-day -day reality, who struggle often with anxious and fearful thoughts? It's been me. Maybe it's where you're at too. If you had a cure for anxiety right now, I think you could be an overnight millionaire. But that's why we all need to hear these words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 6. You see, because here, Jesus gives us an antidote to anxiety. It's not an instant cure, but it is an antidote that shows us where to turn. It's an antidote that we all desperately need. So far in Matthew, we've seen that God's promised king has finally come. Jesus is the gentle king that they have been waiting for. He's been travelling around the countryside proclaiming that in him, God's promised kingdom has come. God's kingdom is at hand. And he's been calling people to repent and to follow him. And now he's sat the disciples down on a mountain to show them what it looks like to live as his people. As the people of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus calls them and he calls us too to a radical heart obedience to him. An obedience or righteousness that starts with dependence on him, that flows out in obeying God from the heart in fulfilment of the Old Testament commands, and that lives for reward from our Heavenly Father, not the fickle praise of men. And this righteousness, it is a righteousness that is free to seek God's kingdom first without living in an anxious scurry, because we can trust in our Heavenly Father's love and care. That's what we see this week. In fact, that is the antidote to anxiety. According to Jesus, the antidote to anxiety is to seek God's kingdom first because we can trust in our Heavenly Father's love and care. Jesus is going to show us this by giving us a command and then showing us a comfort. A command and a comfort which gives us an alternative to anxiety now and give us great comfort in the Father's love and care. First, Jesus gives a command. Seek God's kingdom first. And he backs it up with three reasons. First reason, seek God's kingdom first because heavenly treasure is secure. See it in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus is saying that his followers who live in his kingdom, they won't focus on storing up temporary treasures here on earth. Things like fine clothes, expensive jewellery, fat bank accounts, the latest Lamborghini. After all, fine clothes can get eaten by moths. Jewellery can get stolen by thieves. Fat bank accounts can be eroded by inflation. Investments lose their value when the market drops. If you have a car crash in your Lamborghini, 
Now, it's not that having these things is bad, but Jesus' followers don't focus on them first. Instead, we're to store up treasures in heaven. The security there is far better. No moths, no thieves, no inflation. It doesn't need to be insured. Treasure stored up in heaven is secure. We saw the same thing last week. Living for the praise of men is fleeting, but the reward of our Father is certain and eternal. But that's not all. Second reason Jesus gives, seek God's kingdom first because what you treasure shapes you. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is saying that our treasure, it will drive us and define us. Whatever we value, whatever we chase after, whatever we love, that will shape our heart. When Jesus talks about the heart, he's not just talking about the feeling, emotional part of you. I think that's what Disney movies are talking about when they say, follow your heart. That's not what Jesus is saying. See, in the Bible, the heart, it is the absolute centre of who a person is. It's the desiring, choosing, thinking, willing, feeling centre of a person. It's you deep down at your very core. It is a part that makes decisions, a part that chooses how to live. It's a part that is you. And everything you do, it flows from your heart. So Jesus is saying that what you treasure will shape your heart It will shape you deep down. Whatever you treasure and desire will determine the direction of your whole life. It will drive all your decisions. It will drive and define who you are. It's like the guy who's just fallen in love. You've seen that before? She's all he can talk about. Every story he tells revolves around her. You keep catching him daydreaming about her. She's the big factor in all his decisions. His love drives him. It defines who he is and determines his choices. You seen that? Someone who treasures, that's what Jesus is talking about. You see, someone who treasures success will do whatever it takes to be successful, even if it costs their family everything. Someone who treasures money will do whatever it takes to get rich and stay rich. Someone who treasures pleasure and comfort will do whatever it takes to enjoy life. And someone who treasures God's kingdom, who focuses on following Jesus and living for him, they will do whatever it takes to live for Jesus and grow in him. God's kingdom will drive them and define them. Jesus gives us a picture of this. It's a bit strange, but it's the same idea. See it in verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now, this is a bit confusing at first. How is the eye the lamp of the body? Is it like a lamp on your bedside table that lights up the room? Is it like a window that lets in light from the outside? But I don't think we need to figure out exactly how this picture works to get the point. The point is that the eye is a focusing and looking part of our body. It looks where we're going. It focuses our attention. 
And if our eyes focus on good things, on light things, then your whole body, your whole life will be focused on things that are good and light. But if your eye is focused on evil things, your whole life will be full of evil. Your whole life will be dark. It's the same idea as the treasure. Whatever you focus on will drive you and define you for good or for evil. Seek God's kingdom first because what you treasure shapes you. Which brings us to the third reason. Seek God's kingdom first because you can't serve both God and money. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, Jesus isn't talking about having two jobs. That's possible. Jesus is using the picture of being a slave. That means full devotion to your master. You are on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No one can serve two masters like that. You don't have 48 hours a day, 14 days a week. You will always prefer one over the other. Jesus uses hyperbole here. You will love the one and hate the other. And it's the same with God and money. You can't serve them both. Both will demand your attention, your devotion, your life. You might think that you can have your cake and eat it too. But Jesus is saying you have to choose. You can only choose one. Seek God's kingdom first. Store up treasure in heaven. But what does this have to do with anxiety? That's where we started, right? In a moment, Jesus is going to give us a great comfort. A reason why focusing on God's kingdom, it's not something for us to be afraid of. It's something good. It's actually the alternative to anxiety. But that comfort is actually all there to back up this. This passage is all about seeking God's kingdom first. And Jesus wants us to see that that's his main thing. You can tell because he comes, us, comes back to it again later. Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. See, instead of being anxious about our daily needs, anxious about the future, God's people are to seek his kingdom and his righteousness first. That's to be our focus, our treasure, our driving principle. But what does that actually mean? Well, it actually fits with everything we've heard Jesus say so far in Matthew. Remember, Jesus has come proclaiming that in him, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In him, God's promised kingdom has finally come. And our response to that is to repent, to turn away from sin and to turn to God by following Jesus. So what does it mean to seek God's kingdom? It's actually all about Jesus. It means to turn away from sin and to follow Jesus. It means to follow him first is the greatest priority in our life. It means to keep listening to him, to keep repenting, to keep following him. It means to obey him above all else. Seeking God's kingdom first is about following Jesus first above all. 
and seeking his righteousness and it's about living in a way that is fitting for God's people, living with that radical heart obedience that Jesus has been teaching us about. An obedience that begins with being poor in spirit, recognising our dependence on God, and hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Seeking his kingdom and his righteousness means listening to and following Jesus above all else. This is actually the alternative to anxiety. If we are focused on Jesus, if we're seeking to live for and follow him, if we're seeking reward from our Father, not the fleeting treasures of the world, then that reward, that treasure, it can't be threatened by anything the world throws at us. Global financial crisis or pandemic or even breakdown in relationship between us and others. None of those things can threaten our treasure if our treasure is in heaven. If we trust in Jesus, then this is true for us. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, we are loved by our heavenly Father. We are adopted as his sons and daughters. Peter says we have an inheritance stored up for us in heaven that can never perish, spoil or fade. We can look forward to reward from our Heavenly Father because we have treasures stored up in heaven. This treasure can't be threatened by persecution, by suffering, by cancer, can't be threatened by COVID, it can't even be threatened by death. We don't have to be anxious and afraid about this treasure. It is secure. It is sure. If we trust in and follow Jesus then our true treasure is in heaven so we can seek his kingdom and his righteousness as our first priority. Now, it's easy to be sidetracked from this, isn't it? It's easy to spend our energy and our time and our effort chasing other things first. Career, relationships, family, comfort, entertainment. None of those things are bad in themselves, but if, they, if we seek them first, they will always disappoint. We need to keep turning back to Jesus, keep seeking him first. Jesus will never disappoint. Seek him first, live for him first. That's the command. That's the alternative to anxiety. Seek God's kingdom first. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He gives us a command and he shows us a great comfort. We'll get it wrong if we neglect either side of this. We need to hear both. So if all this sounds a bit overwhelming right now, hold on a minute and let's see the comfort Jesus lays out. Let's see the Father's loving care. I'm going to take a drink. At first, this comfort, it sounds a lot like the command, doesn't it? Verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? See, this is a natural extension of the command to seek God's kingdom. If our treasure is on earth, it can be threatened, taken away. But if we store up our treasure in heaven, then we don't have to be anxious about our lives. 
about what we eat or drink or wear. If our treasure is in heaven, then our lives are far more than just our day-to-day necessities. But how do we know we'll be looked after? How do we know we'll get what we need? That's where the comfort comes in. Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? See, this is a different way of thinking about our world than what we're used to. We've probably all seen Animal Planet documentaries. We've seen up close and in slow motion how beautiful the animal world is. But we've also seen how brutal it is, right? Sparrows hunt for their food. They work hard to look for worms. Sometimes they die brutal deaths at the hands of predators or the claws of predators. Doesn't that undo the comfort that Jesus is trying to bring here? Well, not really, because Jesus is actually saying something quite profound. Jesus is saying that all of the world, all of creation, is under the Father's loving care and control. Tim Chesser, I like the way he puts it, he describes this as living in a fathered world. Yes, the sparrows hunt for their food, but the Heavenly Father is the one who provides it. He he is the one who watches over each and every sparrow, including my friend. (laughs) He's in control. They don't have to scheme and plan for their food. They don't have to run farms or make trips to the grocery store or store it in tiny fridges. They won't go without what they need. The Father provides. You see, even in the brutality of the animal kingdom, in ways that we don't get to see, the Father shows his kindness and provision even to the sparrows. And if he cares like that for a bird, he cares even more for us. For his children who've been adopted as his sons and daughters through Jesus, he knows and provides for our needs. We still see this too. I've heard from families that have run out of food and then someone has dropped groceries on their doorstep. Who've been hit with a sudden bill they can't afford and then receive a check for just the right amount. I remember, it's a simple thing, but I remember one night in Brisbane when Jess and I were both at the very end of our tethers and all we could pray was, God, please help us. And right then there was a knock at our front door and when we went to the door, no one was there, but someone had left a block of chocolate and an encouraging note for us. See, God had provided encouragement and chocolate (laughs) at just the right moment. And maybe you have your own story like that of God's simple provision for you, God's kindness to you. And if God provides for his people like that, then we don't have to be anxious about those things. He will care for us. In fact, Jesus says, being anxious won't get us anywhere. Verse 27, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Anxiety can't give us what we need. It can't even add an hour to our lives. In fact, it's more likely to make our lives shorter. It's better to see and be comforted by the Father's care. Jesus gives another example in verse 28, this time about clothes. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. 
They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? We live in the garden city. This doesn't take much of a stretch of the imagination, does it? Think of the flowers in the garden. They're beautiful. Designer clothes can't compare. Gucci and Prada and Armani have got nothing on these. And then we drive through the country and we just see fields of flowers. Flowers on weeds that are only going to be mown up. But they're beautiful. God makes them beautiful. Once again, Jesus is saying that our loving Father, he is involved in every aspect of his world. We live in a fathered world. He's the one who gives the flowers their beauty, even on the weeds in the field. And if he cares like that for the plants, how much more does he care for his people, for his sons and his daughters? How much more will he give us everything we need? Now, Jesus is not saying that we can sit back, relax, not do anything. Jesus will miraculously boom, beam food onto our tables and clothes onto our backs. Or, more, that we can just sit at the table with our mouths open and God will tip it in. It's not like that. That's not how the world that God made works. God gave us work to provide for our families. But even in that, we thank God for everything we have. We recognise his hand in every bit of it. We work, but we don't have to anxiously scurry about as if everything depends on us. Because ultimately, our loving Father cares for us. We see that in creation, in the sparrows and in the flowers that Jesus points us to. But we see it even more clearly in Jesus. In love, God sent his own son to suffer and to die for us. He gave us his own son so that we don't have to be punished as our sins deserve, but we can have eternal life with him. We can be sure he'll give us everything we need. That's what Paul says in Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Our loving Father has given us his most precious thing. He hasn't held back. He's given us his own son. If he loves us that much, we can be sure that he will provide whatever we need. We don't need to anxiously scurry about, afraid we won't have what we need. We can trust in his loving care. We can seek his kingdom and his righteousness first. We can seek him, knowing that he will provide everything that we need. But what about those who suffer? We see it, right? We see it in our own lives. Well, even then, God has promised to provide all that we need. He sustains his people in suffering by his Holy Spirit. He comforts his people in their need. And even in death, our loving Father provides. We don't have to be scared even of death. Jesus has defeated death. 
we go to be with him and we look forward to that day when we will be raised to new life. God hasn't promised us a comfortable and cushy life, but he has promised to provide all that we need because he loves us. And even suffering is not wasted, but used for our good. So what do we do about this? How does Jesus' words here help us when we're anxious? I want to suggest three simple things to do when you're anxious or afraid. Remember, pray, and seek. First, remember. When you're anxious, remember God's loving care for our world. Think of the sparrows and the flowers. Maybe take a walk. As you see the green grass and the beautiful flowers, thank God for providing these things and caring for them. And use this to remember God's care for his people. God cares for you so much more than he cares for animals and plants. He even gave up his own son for you. Won't he also give you everything that you need? Part of remembering God's care might mean being careful about the other things that you hear. It might mean limiting the amount of news that you're watching. It might mean not checking the news or your phone when you first wake up in the morning. If you find these things making you anxious, remind yourself of God's loving care instead. Second, pray. You see, this is just living out with our words, our trust in the Father as the one who provides what we need. He loves to hear our prayers. He invites us to come to him and to ask. We don't need fancy words or long prayers. We can just come to our loving Father and ask. So pause, go to your loving Father in prayer and ask him to provide for your needs. Leave it with him. And third, seek his kingdom. Keep listening to Jesus. Keep repenting of your sin. Keep following him. Seek him first. Share him with others. Keep serving him with your time and your energy and money. Keep storing up treasure in heaven. As you seek God's kingdom, you'll be reminded about where your treasure truly is and who provides for you. Now, I do want to speak to you specifically if you're someone who has had a long-term struggle with anxiety. Jesus' words here can be a help to you. I do encourage you to seek God's kingdom first, to see the Father's loving care, to remember and to pray. But it may be that you need some other help too. See, we live in a broken world with all kinds of sicknesses and sorrows and troubles. And sometimes the brokenness and sickness of our bodies affects our minds too. That's part of living in a fallen and broken world. I've experienced this kind of anxiety too. I've had days with panic attacks that have left me breathless and in tears. Days where it feels like the rest of the world exists down the end of a long tunnel. Weeks where anxiety is the first thing that I felt in the morning and the last thing at night and everything in between. It's awful. And if that's your struggle, I want to encourage you to seek help. Talk to your doctor about it. Give me a call and come and talk to me about it. Maybe we can find someone who can help you work through this. See, that kind of help is actually God's kind provision to us. So use it. And let's all of us 
remember, pray, and seek God's kingdom. Now, I hate to break it to you, but I don't think this passage will make you a millionaire. Sorry if I sold that to you at the beginning. Uh, You can't sell this passage as a cure to anxiety. But Jesus' words here do give us an alternative. They remind us that the antidote to anxiety is to seek God's kingdom first because we can trust our Heavenly Father's love and care. This week, no matter what anxieties you face, hold this comfort and command together. Remember God's loving care in creation, his care for you in Jesus. Turn to him in prayer and seek his kingdom first. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your care for your world. Thank you that we live in a fathered world where you know and care for your people. Father, please help us to remember that this week. When we are worried or anxious to remember your care, to turn to you in prayer and to seek your kingdom first always. Help us not to be sidetracked by other things, but to keep seeking Jesus, growing and living for him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.